We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back to Better Living. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi, a returning group on episode two of this show. I interviewed Lynn Davis, who is the CEO and president of the Dallas Children's Advocacy Center, but it is time to revisit. And today with me is Diana Smoot. She is their director of community education. Diana, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you very much. Uh, so a colleague of mine said that he had some wonderful interactions with DCAC, and it was time for me to uh, have you guys back. So, like I said, I'm glad that you're here. For those that don't know what the Dallas Children's Advocacy Center is, uh, who are you guys? What do you do? So, the Dallas Children's Advocacy Center is the only agency of its kind in Dallas County. And what we do is we work with child victims of criminal uh, child abuse cases. And so, we're working with children and their families to make sure that they receive the justice and the healing that they deserve. I think that's one of the interesting things about this organization. It's the Dallas Children's Advocacy Center, but it is not limited to children. Most of the services that you provide extend to the entire family. Sure, absolutely. When it comes to our center, we're working those criminal cases. So that's going to be sexual abuse, um, severe physical abuse, and kids who witness a violent crime. And so when you're talking about those cases they're going to impact the entire family. And that's where um, we've evolved over years um, to really wrap our arms around that entire family and make sure that they all receive the help that they need. Now, do you serve areas outside of Dallas? Is this specifically Dallas County? We serve Dallas County. And so there are children's advocacy centers all over the state of Texas. Um, Typically, they are county-based, but we are the one that serves Dallas County. Okay, so this is actually kind of a a reoccurring thing for other cities that I did not know. Yeah, there is a Children's Advocacy Center model. Um, And so other advocacy centers might do things just a little bit differently when it comes to criteria or what services are offered inside that building in particular. But at the core of it, um, Children's Advocacy Centers are there to help victims of child abuse, um, make sure that they're going to a child-friendly environment, that they have this coordinated response um, to the investigation, and that they have access to healing. So there's like an Austin Cities. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Austin Cities. Austin Children's. <laughs> uh, okay. So the way that this works is, it, to my understanding, that you guys are basically a part of the justice system here for Dallas County. Is that an accurate way to describe how this works? So we are a nonprofit organization, but we have partners in the community. And so our partners are going to be Child Protective Services, uh, law enforcement for all of the different jurisdictions within Dallas County, the district attorney's office, and medical and mental health professionals. I saw on your website, which is dcac.org, that you guys partner with 27 different 27 different law enforcement agencies. If you ask me to name 12 (laughs) agencies, I wouldn't be able to make it. So that's an accurate number, 27 different organizations. That is 27 different law uh, law enforcement jurisdictions. And then when you add in our other partners, 
from district attorney's office and from the medical field, we actually get up to um, a number that's even higher. Um, but it's 27 different law enforcement jurisdictions are bringing their kiddos to us. And so I think that really speaks volumes about the services that are offered at the center. Um, Dallas County's huge. And so when you have somebody on the other side of Dallas County and they decide that they're bringing their kid to us for those services as opposed to trying to handle it within their jurisdiction, um, I think that really speaks volumes for the partnership and what we're able to offer them. Well, it's got to be easier on them, too. I mean, sure. this is extremely hard work. And yeah. if you guys have streamlined this process and are very efficient at it, not only are they going to get the best for the kid, it's going to be a, a better way for them to run their cases, law enforcement in general. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about the actual facility that you had uh, off mic before we started. You guys mentioned that you have a relatively new facility. Yes, so we are in this beautiful four-year-old slash brand new building. Um, we'll go with new, <laughs> new ish. <laughs> uh, we still think that it's new, um, but we moved from this gorgeous Victorian house um, that was on Swiss Avenue that people really loved and was really important to them. Um, but we had really kind of grown too big for that space sure. as an organization. And so we raised um, over $11 million in one year in a capital campaign. It's amazing. And we built this beautiful new building to where we moved from 15,000 square feet to 56,000 square feet. We're able to bring partners on site, um, expand the services that we offer. And so really it's been the next step in our okay. agency. Um, it allows us to improve the services that we're offering and kind of take that to the next level. I would think that being in a home on, would you say it was on Swiss? On Swiss. So for kids, they need to be in a safe environment, especially yeah. after the things that they've experienced. And I think that having that home uh, was part of that and probably why people were so attached to it. So was there a, a push to make it a very welcoming and homey type place for the kids? Absolutely. Because 56, what did you say, 56,000 square feet? <laughs> yes. That's big. <laughs> it is. Um, but it, I think it was very intentional how our building was designed. And so there's a lot of natural light in the building, um, a lot of Austin stone and warm woods and um, really preserving that child-friendly atmosphere. And then even some things we were allowed to change because of this space. And mm. so in the old center, we would have uh, one waiting area and you might have a child who's there to tell their story for the first time sitting next to somebody who's there waiting for a staff member um, next to a child who's there for a CPS visitation. That's not really the best situation for our clients. And so now we're able to really respect our kids and where they are in their process um, and give them privacy and separate waiting areas. So it's absolutely a big building. Um, but it is still very warm. Um, it was very intentional to not make it feel like an institution, that it would still be this warm, welcoming environment where kids would feel comfortable. And so that's one of the things I love, that it doesn't feel like a big building. It's this just bigger home, I would guess. So it's a mansion. <laughs> yes. So more on this facility, because I think it speaks to the way that your operation runs, and it's really slick, is that this isn't just... DCAC in there you also have you have so you have law enforcement officers there that work out of here and you also have a uh, your own assistant district attorney that works out of this building correct yes so who are these partners that are actually in-house with you well so we have units of child protective services in our building um, we have law enforcement that is in our building from those 27 uh, jurisdictions they are in our building day in and day out 
Um, and then we have the district attorney who is with us as well. And so our ADA is um, on site and working with us from the get go. Um, really, anybody who is working these cases in Dallas County is going to be in our building. And that really changes things when we have space where people can not only have offices, but also when you have a common space where people can build relationships and network and discuss cases, that really improves how we're able to respond to these cases as well. And is that part of the model that you were talking about? Absolutely. That everybody follows? Absolutely. To bring everybody together. You know, in the old days, um, when a child was in a situation that was abusive, um, things operated very differently. And so law enforcement would talk to the child. Maybe it was patrol. And then CPS would talk to the child. Maybe the detective assigned to that case would talk to the child and then a medical professional. And so we have this child telling the story over and over and over. And every time we know that it's traumatic for the for the kid and they're having to relive those memories. Um, but not only that, they're going all over the city and the people that they're talking to are not sharing information and not saying, hey, did you know, CPS, I have this bit of information law enforcement needs to know. Let me pick up the phone. Sure. Um, and so really the whole purpose of a CAC is to bring everybody together and make sure that everything that we're doing puts the kid first. Um, it's no longer about what I need yeah. for my investigation, but really looking at everything through the lens of what does that child and that family need. How long has that streamlined process been a part of the philosophy for you guys? Because you said that it was a lot of, it was probably decades worth of these same nightmares happening sure. over and over again and, and just kind of beating your head against the wall. Well, for us, our organization just celebrated its 26th wedding anniversary, and or wedding anniversary, our 26th anniversary is this year. I mean, it is a mansion. So. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> um, but our 26th anniversary is this year. Um, and so we started very small. That's one of the things that we can look back years ago in the very first year. And we had over 700 kids come through the center. And now... You know, in our 26th year, we're looking at over 5,000 will come through uh, DCAC. That's that's something I saw on your website, which once again is DCAC.org, that, you know, on your website it said over 4,000 kids last year yeah. kind of went through the center. And so that number is up? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's a testament to us raising awareness and getting the message out there, educating parents and community members and people who work with kids that this happens and this happens everywhere and we've all got to come together and be a voice for that child to stand up and say hey i think something's not right is that what it is so or would you are you guys in your profession are you worried that numbers of child abuse are up or that it's more identified and kids are actually getting the help that maybe you know less or that over a thousand weren't getting in previous years even a year or two ago I think it's definitely that awareness is there. So I know years ago, even teachers um, who work with kids, you would think that that would be something very basic that teachers would be taught. How do you recognize and report abuse? They're taught all of these other things on how children learn and child development. And that's a relatively new development um, within the last 10 years that teachers must be trained on that. And still there are plenty of states across the United States where that is not the case. Um, so that idea that I think not just our advocacy center, but nationally advocacy centers are coming together to say this is an issue that affects everybody, um, that we've really got to do everything we can to protect ch children in our community. And part of us doing that is saying this happens. This happens here. This happens where you live, where I live, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our faith communities. Um, let's just kind of cut through this stranger danger and get to the meat of the problem, which is this is somebody you know and you trust and somebody has access to children. 
Diana Smoot is the Director of Community Education for the Dallas Children's Advocacy Center. We're talking about educating educators. I have learned that that is a big portion of what you guys are doing over at DCAC. So getting the word out uh, about how to identify problems and maybe how to address them, is that the bulk of the education you guys are doing? How do you address that and how does it work? Absolutely. So we have an education um, department at DCAC, and we have a very strong emphasis on community education. So that community education is talking to schools and anywhere that's serving children. So that could be daycares, um, summer camps, or these sports leagues. Um, Really, we'll go anywhere where there are more attendees than there are speakers. Um, But that idea that how do we make this really difficult topic something that people can learn about and something that um, how do you kind of take all the myths away and then say this is real and this is happening and and I need you to be prepared to stand up for kids and how do we take that topic to where people feel empowered and how to do something as opposed to saying oh it's just so scary or so horrible I can't even think about that no I need you to think about that and when it not if but when it then crosses your path, this is exactly what you're going to do in order to stand up for a kid and make sure that they're safe. And so we're going out and doing those presentations. We go all over Dallas County. Um, We do presentations in English and in Spanish. We're talking to professionals. Um, We talk to parents as well, talking to parents about you need to be having this talk with your kids. And a lot of parents will say, this is a hard talk. I don't know how to tell my seven-year-old that someone they know and trust could try and hurt them. And so we're going to say, here, like almost the pep talk for parents, here's how you're going to do it. And we're going to give you all the tools, ready, go, right? And then we have this uh, presentation for children as well. And so um, a lot of times with our parents, if they feel uncomfortable with that conversation, we're going to give them the pep talk. And if they don't feel comfortable having that talk, then Here's this video you can use, and you sit side by side with your child and watch that video and then discuss it afterwards. But we know as much as we're out talking to kids, that conversation must start at home. And so how can we really get to really anybody who will listen to us to say, this is what you can do to help keep our children safer, all of the children that we care about, whether that's your own personal children, um, kids in your neighborhood, your niece, your nephew, everybody has a child that they care about. And so everybody really needs to be concerned about this issue. Was there a big push for you guys to make this a more palatable topic when you're trying to educate people on it? Because a, a lot of times, I don't do this as much anymore, but honestly, when I first started doing the show, when I would interview groups like yours that, that deal with very tough or sensitive topics, I was apprehensive at first. It sure. was like, oh, this is going to be a rough one. And uh, without an exception, the people that have come in from those organizations that I was initially fearful of, they've been maybe the most cheerful mm-hmm. and they've had the most positive outlook, even though they're dealing with the worst possible circumstances. Sure. So was there a lot of attention to making sure that people could uh, ingest this material easily? Absolutely. But I also think, too, that is the nature of our work. You know, I think back to what happened to the kiddos before there was an advocacy center. That is hard to take in and hard to digest. And and I think now, you know, we joke sometimes that we're a buzzkill at parties when somebody says, where do you work or what do you do? And I just want to talk about it. I love DCAC and I want to have that conversation. You can see people's eyes glaze when you say I work at a child abuse center. Um But the fact is that now kids have a much different experience. Back in the day, they were shuttled from place to place, and and really the system was traumatic for them. And it 
for us, we know that these kids are coming to this really beautiful place where all the people that work there work there because they want to work there and they believe in this healing um, power of the CAC model and that we see kids who have these really horrible circumstances be kids again and they're smiling and they're laughing and that's a really beautiful thing. Um, and I think when your organization is based there, then it becomes really easy to talk about this topic and say, we need you to know. And yes, it's scary. And yes, it's bad. But you can be part of the solution. We're part of the solution every day. And that's a that's a really beautiful place to be. What is the average age range that you're dealing with? Or is there an average age range? So at DCAC, we're serving kids who are zero. Um, so infants all the way up to 17. Um, but year after year, when we run our numbers, um, our typical client is a nine, 10 year old little girl who's been sexually abused by someone she knows and someone she trusts. Is that the bulk of the cases that you, that you deal with? Is it sexual assault? I'd, absolutely. So the vast majority of our cases are sexual abuse cases. Um, we hover in that 85 to 90 percent each year. And sometimes that varies, but really the majority of our cases. Um, and then when you look at who's doing that to the child, it's not a stranger. Um, it is a direct family member, somebody who's very close to the family, who has access to the family, um, and sadly, somebody who's loved and trusted not only by that child, but by the adults in that family as well. Is prosecution of these cases going in a, in a good direction? You have all these great resources, and you guys are centralized, and you know what you're doing. Are there good things happening out of this very negative situation? Absolutely. I think, you know, for us, we focus on justice and healing, and both things are are important. Um, Of course, we want to get that perpetrator um, off the streets to where they can't hurt kids anymore. And and that CAC model and everybody coming together and sharing information is going to make for the strongest case possible. but also that health com- or the healing component really changes things. We know that the more support that we're giving to the child and to the family, the stronger the investigation is going to be. And the stronger the investigation, the stronger the prosecution. So it's really all of those things go together that we can't really pull any of them apart. Mm. Um, and it's exciting to be able to say not only are we doing this piece um, and making sure that we're getting that bad person off the streets, but then also we're making sure that that kid gets to be a kid again. What are So let's talk about that. For the kids that are coming into DCAC, what are some of the services or programs that you guys offer? Now, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to list all of them off yeah. because there's a lot, but uh, what are what are some of the things that you guys are really proud of and, and, and work hard on? We have tons of programs, but uh, it it's starts. A lot. It's a lot. Um, everything from, you know, when a report is made to law enforcement or to CPS, Um, A child comes to us to tell their story. And so really offering this safe environment where they're not telling the story to multiple people in multiple locations. They're talking to someone who's trained on child development, who knows how to build rapport, who is going to testify in court about the questions they asked or didn't ask um, and follow this protocol that's recognized. Um, So that, I think, is really great, ensuring that the child has as positive as an experience as they can with that piece. Um, And then from there, we have family advocates that are going to swoop in and and let that family know you're not alone. You're not the only family this has ever happened to. And guess what? You have somebody who is going to be with you and is going to walk side by side throughout this process. And so really helping them navigate the criminal justice system. The advocates are a big 
portion of what you guys do, or at least it's a big part of the process as I understand it. Sure. So this is a person that has some kind of experience with this, and they're the ones that kind of act as a liaison at certain points? So they're going to be um, the liaison between the investigation piece and the healing piece. And so when we have a family who is in this situation, right, and there's so many things up in the air and so many things that are affected, they have not only someone that they could you know, maybe go to for therapy um, and talk to and work through those feelings. But they also have that person that's going to sit next to them and say, oh, you have a question about what's going on with your investigation? Then let me talk to the detective and find out where we are. And so really just that peace of mind of you have somebody who will help you through this. All the questions that you don't know who to ask, um, you ask your advocate. And then that advocate is going to make sure that they're keyed into therapy or keyed into parenting classes, keyed into any financial um, needs that they may have. And so a lot of times the perpetrator is a breadwinner um, in that family or somebody who is helping to support that family financially. And so how you plug in and say, kiddo, what happened was not your fault. And, and our world is, you know, turned upside down, but how can we preserve things and make things as normal as possible as we can for you? And so sometimes that's assistance with paying bills. Um, sometimes it's cleaning supplies to clean the room where it happened. Sometimes it's a whoopee, Um and they get this beautiful quilted blanket from volunteers that make them for us. Um, so there's all these different things to try and, and let that child be a child. And I think sometimes people don't understand what a gift that is, but to take this child who's experienced really adult things um, and give them the gift of being innocent and kid-like again um, is a really beautiful thing, and that's what our center does. For the parents that come in, uh, yeah. what what kind of services are, are they being offered? Uh, because their experience with this is going to be very different than the child, and so the way that you work with them is going to be obviously very different. Right. So parents, you know, I think we talk about this too. If somebody were to come to me and say, your husband did this really horrible thing um, and he hurt your child, that would be a hard thing for me to digest, I think, just personally, even in the field that I work in. And so being aware of that, that we have a team of people who are going to help that protective caregiver respond to this news. Um, Our parents are not going to initially say, oh, yeah, I believe that. Right. And they shouldn't. And so um, they shouldn't in the sense that we would have real big problems. Then why are we with that person? And so we're going to have to help that parent come along and and really process that information, um, not only so that they can heal on their own terms, but then also how do they process that information so that they're the parent they need to be for their child. And so we're going to give that information of, as well, um, really help prepare them for this is what your kid needs from you at this time. Um, and so we're going to do that through therapy, and and not only are we going to work with those parents, but also with siblings. Um, the siblings might not have been a direct victim, but absolutely they're going to be impacted by this situation. And so how do we really support that family so that it doesn't destroy them, right? We don't want this to be a defining moment for families. We want them to move past it. And so getting them the mental health, the financial help, all of those other things and plugging them in to make sure that they can move forward from here. 
Volunteer opportunities for DCAC, I'm sure, are huge. Are you guys looking for volunteers? And if so, what would they be doing for you guys? Yeah, so um, we tell people all the time there are little ways and big ways that you can get involved in DCAC. So you can give. um, You can donate time or money. um, You can serve at DCAC, and maybe that's you're a volunteer or you're um, coming and calling education and saying, hey, come speak to my PTA or speak to my faith community. Um, Or you can be an advocate and you could follow us on Facebook or on social media and share posts or um, even just share a tidbit of information that you learned today. Um, So if you learned, hey, um, DCAC, the majority of their cases are sexual abuse cases. And how do you talk about that? Then maybe I share that the next time I'm getting together with my friends. Or maybe I look something up on the website and share that information as well. Um, but we encourage people in little ways and in big ways to get involved. And that even could be that you go home and have the talk with your kid tonight. Right? If someone makes you feel uncomfortable, I want you to tell me. Um, and I'll believe you and I'll trust you. And so there's so many different things. We just urge people to do something with the information. You guys also do a lot of events. We were talking uh, offline before the show that you guys always have something in the pipe and something working. So what what kind of events do you guys normally get into during the course of a year? So we have um, four key events throughout the year. We have a luncheon that um, honors the power of education and illuminating the truth and making sure people are aware of this issue. Um, We have a clay shooting tournament um, that's held in late summer. We have a family-friendly concert, and then we have an art auction. Um, And so those events are going to happen throughout the year, each year. Um, For any information on those events, you can visit dcac.org. But it's a great way to get involved and to plug in and know that the money that's raised goes directly to our services and and making sure that we're um, expanding services and really being responsive to what our families and our kids need. Does DCAC feel like it's always growing? Yes. (laughs) Yes. But what's beautiful, that doesn't mean that the issue is growing and that there's more cases. It's just that we're getting better in responding. And so... For years, um, there was really this focus on investigation and just making sure that you got the perpetrator. Well, you put somebody in jail, but then you have this broken child. What happened there? And so then we had this increased focus on mental health and making sure the kid had access to that. And then in recent years, it's been this focus on the parent. You know, you can provide therapy to a kiddo, but you send them home, right? So there's one hour of therapy, and then they're home with that family for the rest of the week. How do you support the family so that they're continuing that same message at home and giving them the skills so that they can work on that? And so it's exciting in the sense that our agency is never afraid to be the first um, to try new things and say, hey, we want to do better with our families. There's always something we can improve on. And so, um, yeah, we're always expanding and offering new services and adding positions. The Dallas Children's Advocacy Center can be found online at dcac.org. My guest has been Diana Smoot. She is their Director of Community Education. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.